0: brothers and sisters and welcome as we open up God's Word today. We look into the Scriptures and we apply it to our hearts, to our lives and to the circumstances that we are living in right now. No gimmicks here, we're going to just open up the Word of God and continue going through the Word and and hoping and praying for the Holy Spirit to open up the Scriptures for us. Remember and yourself. today, today I want to come into part two and I want to talk to you about comparing the rapture with the second coming of Christ. And again, there is so many schools. There's two schools around this. The one, Well, there's more than that, but I generally classify them in there. There's the one school who believes that there is no rapture and that the second coming is the rapture and the coming is all together in one. Well, as we're going to open up the scriptures today, that is even more mysterious to me. You will see as I'm going to put two scriptures next to each other today, fundamental scriptures, that that must be a massive mystery to happen. I'm not saying you can't. But it doesn't make sense if you look at it like that. So then again, you know, that you get one group who say that the rapture is only but the first phase of the second coming. You know, phase one, phase two, but it's all in the second coming. And I agree they've got their points and, you know, it looked like valid points. But I believe that looking at these scriptures that we're going to open up today, that it's two separate occasions. And again, if you are sitting there and you've studied for so many years and you're a professor or you're a theologian and you say, John, you are just foolish in what you're saying, God bless your heart. But I'm going to show you scriptures today that I believe absolutely that these are two different occasions. No, I'm not saying that there are three comings of the Lord. The first coming, as we all know, is when He was born uh, in in Bethlehem. He came to His own and they rejected Him and he, He then died on the cross for us. That's the first coming. The second coming is the coming in Revelation 19. So what is the rapture then? Well, it is just that, the rapture of the church. It's not the coming of the Lord. It's not the second coming. And so it's the thir- the second coming, not the third coming. So I want to come to the word. And when we get into this, I want to hold on to the word that Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. He says, Therefore, and we're going to look at the scripture verses, but if you see the word therefore there, you need to ask yourself the question, what is therefore therefore? In other words, you need to read in front of the word and apply it to what he's going to say now. But he says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. The word therefore comfort is a really interesting word because it comes from the Greek word parakaleu. Now, If you've been listening to some of my sermons, you should get excited like I did, because there is another Greek word which is close to that, which is a very, very fine word for me, and that's the word parakletos. And parakletos was given to the holy spirit the helper when you read when jesus turns to his disciples in john uh, 14 he says to them i will pray the father and he'll send you another comforter another helper the word there is paracletos and if you break the word in two para means to come alongside, and kletos is to strengthen you. Parakletos, the Holy Spirit is coming alongside us to strengthen us. That's where we find our English words. You've heard me say this before, but for those who haven't heard this, parachute comes the same thing. Para is coming alongside you, and a chute is helping you to fall and not to die when you fall out of an airplane. uh, Paramedic, A paramedic comes alongside you and he gives you medical attention when you need that. Parakletos, Holy Spirit comes alongside you and he gives you strength when you need that. Here, Paul uses the same word when he says, Therefore comfort each other with these words. Parakaleo, it means to come alongside your brothers and sisters in these times that we are living in. And I'm going to elaborate on those times in a minute. But to come alongside your brothers and sisters and to encourage them. Encourage them. Now let's think about the times we are living in. We know that there is rumors of war. We know this. You can turn on your television and you see how, even today, how Britain, America and Australia came together to build new submarines, nuclear submarines. Why? Because there's a massive threat of China in uh, the south sea around australia and new zealand we're not at war yet they say but there's a threat coming on and these things brings fear in people's hearts afghanistan taken over by the taliban and what is happening there it is the fear now in the western world of imminent attacks from isis k this is a new arm of isis and by the way they also believe that their Medi is coming. They are also anticipating the coming of their Savior. And, and in their prophecies, not in the Bible, but in their prophecies, they reckon that there's going to be an army coming out of Afghanistan. And uh, this is what ISIS-K is, by the way. It is this massive army with black flags. Look how they dress their armies. Prophecy is coming to fruition, is coming to fulfillment. There is only one prophecy that I'm following, and it's the Word of God, because it prophesies exactly what's going on there. But there's these rumors of war. There is talk about Russia. There is talk about all of these these things that destabilize the world, and people getting fearful by that. Then there's things happening in nature. Storms, rain, flash floodings, you've seen it all. We are living in those days and then, and then there's, there's the strangest things happening. There are cities where there's this massive, massive sound, like a boom sound going off in the cities and nobody knows where it's coming from. Nobody knows. I've seen footage of this. I've heard it. And I hear the people talking fearfully about it, afraid, the human heart trembling by fear. Then there's sightings, you know, of of unidentified objects. All of these things happening in our day, in our day. This is the times that we're living in, and it brings fear upon people's hearts. And then we've got pestilences, a man-made virus, has now flooded the globe. And there are these powers behind the scenes with evil thoughts who manipulate this and to use this for power control. But still there are people dying and people's hearts were grabbed with fear. And then there is talks about these things coming, you know, all over the world. Now, what is the comfort in all of this? Where is the comfort going to come from? Where is it coming from? If you listen to some preachers today, they say, you better, you know, strap your boots on, get ready, because there is terrible times coming and the church needs to prepare. Where is the comfort in that? How can I come alongside you, brother and you, sister, and give you encouragement? He says, therefore, comfort one another with these things come alongside encourage you oh you've got to be so encouraged because there's coming difficult times for the church now i'm not trying to make jokes about this but i'm just saying that if we want to be ready we need to be ready every single day of our lives but we are living in times now where we need comfort and the only comfort that's going to be a lasting comfort is going to come from God, come from His Word, come from His mouth, and you will know what's on His mind. So what did, what did He say to them? Now, if you were listening last week, you will, uh, you would have understood what we were talking about. But I want to, I want to continue today, and I want to just put it to, to you, the rapture and the second coming of the Lord, and why I believe... I'll give you the evidence. You're going to do with it whatever you want to do with it. If it doesn't fit your narrative, then it's fine. But at least look at the Scriptures today as I'm giving it to you. So I'm going to show you a timeline and I'm going to talk through this timeline. And at the end of this, I'm going to put the two next to each other, the rapture and the second coming. And then I'm going to give you reasons out of both and then we'll pray. And next week... Next week, I will talk to you about the timing of the rapture and why I believe, this preacher believes in the pre-tribulation rapture. I will give you that. I will give you all of the evidences that I've perceived. And again, my dear friend, please don't turn off. Come, listen. Open up your ears, open up your mind, take it on board. And if you still disagree, God bless your heart. This is not what the sermon intend to do, but it is intended to give some people comfort. So if we look at the timeline which I've given you here, and I want to start off with the, with the promise that Jesus made in this timeline So we see, first of all, that Jesus, when He was with His disciples, He promised His disciples something in that night before He went to the cross. He said in John 14, and I'm just paraphrasing here, He says in verse 2, I go to prepare a place for you. The reason why I paraphrased as a priest about this last week. If you've missed last week's message, please go on YouTube, go and find it. It says, Rapture the promise from Kingsway uh, uh, Christian Fellowship or you can follow it on www.kingswayonewordcf.com. But anyway, John 14 verse 3 says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So we're just going to look at face value what Jesus said. We know... That Jesus said this before the cross. He haven't died yet. You remember when Thomas came to me he says, Lord, I, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. And he said to him, I'm the, the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. My friend, the way to God is through Jesus Christ. You acknowledge you're a sinner. You repent of your sins. You submit to Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, and and you, you call upon His name. He was taken captive. He was crucified. He died and the Bible says that he went down into Hades. He went down into hell. What did he go and do there? The Bible also says to us that he preached there. He came out there and, and in fact, what he did is to those before the flood, he presented himself to them. He didn't preach salvation there. Let it just be known. Brother and sister, you've got to go with me. I'm going to call things out as I preach through. You know me like this. Because there are some people who believe that after you die, you can still come to repentance. That is not happening. He appeared to those people, the one whom they didn't, the one whom the righteous preacher Noah preached about, he appeared to them. But then he rose again and praised the Lord, we're serving a risen Christ. And we know that He was seen by 500 and by the disciples, but He ascended on high in the clouds. And as He ascended on high, an angel said to Him, the same way, listen to this, the same way that you will see Him going on to the clouds, He will return again. What was that way? He went on the clouds up into the air and He disappeared before their eyes. And we know now that He took His own blood as, as, a, as a sacrifice for our sins, and He went into the holiest of all and presented His blood as an atonement for our sins. And He is our High Priest, sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us every day. This is what He meant in John 14 when He said, I go to prepare a place for you. He prepared the place already. I'm also under the belief that He at that point in time when He ascended on high... He took captive captivity, the ones who were sitting on Abraham's side in Hades, awaiting for the judgment, awaiting for that day. I believe that He took them out of paradise with Him into heaven, so that when you and I die, brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ, you're not going down into Hades and wait. You are going to heaven to be with Him. So we know then, after a while, he gave them a promise. He says, I will send you another helper, the, the comforter. Uh, you will receive power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You will receive power uh, to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of, of the world. And we know what happened on the day of Pentecost, like the flames of fire, the Holy Spirit came down and it looked like flames of fire who sat on on the people. And at that point in time, the church age started. That is what we call the dispensation of grace. It is what we are still living in today. That time hasn't ended yet. We find in the book of Revelation the letters to the seven churches. This is still where we are in. Into the time of the churches, the church age. This point in time, he intercedes for us in heaven. And we are living in the church, we're proclaiming the gospel. What did he say? He said, Go out and make disciples, baptize them and teach them. Sequence. So this so the next thing that we're waiting now for is the rapture of the church. We also know that when the Holy Spirit came, He came as the restrainer. And He is still the restrainer on the earth in the church age. Then cometh a day and a time when that restrainer will be removed from this earth and that is the time that you and I do not want to live on this earth. So, I believe that when the rapture is going to take place, the restrainer will be removed, and then you will have a time such as none before. So, we're waiting on the harpacho, the rapture, the snatching away of the church, where Christ Himself comes. And He said it in His promise. He said, I will come again and receive you to myself. I will come again. He comes and He received us to Himself. He says that where I am, there you may be also. So if somebody dies today, what happens with the body? The body goes back to the grave. A man consists of three things, body, soul and spirit. The spirit and the soul we see as the inner man, the spirit man. But the body is this physical body. goes back to the grave from dust to dust. The spirit goes back to God because it belongs to God. The soul lives on. And the soul, if you are saved, goes and be with God waiting. Waiting for the first resurrection. Where the body and the soul will be reunited. We will talk about that in a minute. So he says, when you, where I and will be, you will be also. We see that at that point in time, when the church is taken out, when the restrainer is taken out, it kicks off on God's prophetic clock, the final seven years. Now, I will touch on that. I will touch on that in the next week or to the second week. Where is the seven, seven years coming from? It will flow after, I'll preach about it after I talk to you about the timing. Because it's an interesting time that's coming to the earth. A terrible but interesting time. But seven years which Israel owes God, where judgment will come upon Israel and the world, will be start at that point in time. There is specific events that will happen. The Antichrist will come onto the scene. The false prophet will come onto the scene. You see, the unholy trinity will will rule the earth at that point in time. With terrible consequences for everybody on the earth. But in heaven, what happens? We get the judgment seat of Christ, the beamer seat of Christ. It's not the white throne judgment, the beamer seat of Christ, where people will appear before him to receive a reward for their works done. Only the children of God. And we will also see the marriage supper of the Lamb. While on earth, it's not a good place to be. And then we go to Revelation chapter 19 and we see the second coming of Christ where Christ himself will descend from heaven on a white horse. And we're going to tap into that in a minute. But on a white horse, he's going to come down and set his feet on the Mount of Olives. There's going to be a battle like none before. The first world war and the second world war is nothing compared to what's going to happen at this battle of Armageddon at this battle where human forces and when all evil forces upon the face of the earth think, they can overthrow God in all of His might and power. They will lose that battle. I know the end story. I've read it and I believe it. After that, Jesus Christ will be set up. He Himself will be set up as the Ruler who will rule with a Rod of Iron in Jerusalem, and nations will come and pay homage to him. They will bow down to him. Satan will be bounded down in the pit for that thousand year, the millennial time that's going to come upon the face of the earth. So that's the timeline. That is prophecy. That's the whole book of Revelation, if you want to call it that, from chapter 4, right on. In fact, from chapter 2, from from chapter 2, the church is right to the end. And then after that, Satan will be released again, one final rebellion, and then he will be casted into the lake of fire, where he will not come out again. So, very interesting timeline, but I want to come back to the rapture and compare it now with the second coming and why I believe it's two different occasions that happens here. I don't believe it's the first phase. I believe it's an event that happens between the first resurrection and the second, the first coming of the Lord and the second coming of the Lord. So let's look at it and compare it with one another. Again, I want to show you on my timeline here, the rapture versus the second coming of Christ. And we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, which I looked at again last week. And This time we're going to go a little bit deeper. I'm also going to open up in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to read from verse 51 there, if you want to get yourself ready. So let's look at this now in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. I've already explained to you that he preached the coming of the Lord, the snatching away. He preached that. If you want to call it that, he preached the rapture. Paul preached the rapture to the church. He prepared the church that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to tell us now how he's going to come back. It's not something that happened later in the 15th century or the 16th century or the 17th century. There's no, no, that's not where it started. Paul himself preached about Christ coming for his children, for the church, for the body. And he don't want his brothers and sisters to be ignorant about it. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep, because people came in, like in our day, and they challenge this, and they say it is error. <laughs> they, in their foolishness, they attack the people who's preaching it. Where they should understand they've got not an issue with the preacher they've got an issue with God because it's his word you're not attacking the preacher you're attacking his word and let it be known now because he says there's people who came in amongst them and said this thing about the rapture is all nonsense what about the people who's already died they're going to stay behind you're going to go with the Lord to be in the air and they're going to be on air you're never going to see them again Paul addresses this he says let's Use sorrow as others with no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. Now listen, as you can see on my timeline here, He's going to bring with Him those who sleep with Him. Sleep here is not asleep. sleep. here is a, 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 a term with which they used For the body is sleeping, but the soul is still active and thinking and speaking. We've got enough evidence of that in the Bible. But with Him, as you die, your body goes to the grave. The Spirit returns back to God and your soul goes to be with Him. Your soul is who you are. This body is just like this jacket. He's got no life. If the soul departs from the body, the, the body is dead. You can do nothing with it. It decays. So it says here, God will bring with him those who's, who's dead. He will bring them with him. If your father, if your grandfather, if your grandmother were Christians, born again, children of God, when he's going to come back with him, he brings all of those souls with him. Why? Why? Why would those souls come back? There is a specific purpose here. I want you to understand this, because if you're going to understand the purpose here for the souls to come back with Him, you will will see the difference between the second coming and the rapture. So let's read on to find the purpose. For this we say in verse 15 to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So he's talking about two groups of people here now. Those who are dead, the souls in heaven, and we who are alive with the souls still inside of our bodies. He says we will not go before them. And now he explains it to us perfectly. He says, for I say to you by the word that we verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Hello? The Lord himself will descend from heaven. And now he doesn't give us a description of him. He doesn't give us a description. No, no. What he gives us is just what we're going to hear. Listen to this. He says, um, With a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, And the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise first. Wait a minute. Now you need to read the scripture. And just on face value. What is he going to bring with him? He said it there in verse 14. God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. The souls will come with him. The Lord himself will come down. In Acts, they said, As you see Him go up, you will see Him come down. I believe He will come in the clouds. And what will happen when He come? With Him come all the souls who died. And then He says on the earth, there in uh, verse 17, we, we uh, uh, um, uh, verse 16, And the dead in Christ will rise first. So He talks about the bodies The corpses of of those. And what will happen? The souls will come and reunite with their bodies. You know, I was preaching this in New Zealand once and uh, a 10-year-old boy came to me. A 10-year-old. You know, I was preaching this to all all the adults and I don't know why, you know, maybe because some has already got their own views on this. But a 10-year-old boy came to me and he said to me, Pastor... I'm trying to work it out. He's ten years old. If somebody dies, what happens to the body? It decays. It you know, if it's long enough, there's nothing left. There's the bones, everything decays. How then? How then will it be possible if somebody died? Let's call it in the 15th century, and he was in Christ and a born-again child of God, his soul is with with, uh, Jesus in heaven. His soul doesn't decay. His soul doesn't decay. Now he comes back. That same one comes back. And he's going to be reunited with his body. And this boy asked me this question. Very, very, very good question. But here's the answer brother and sister and this is what i answered him i said to him if we go to the book of genesis and we look at the creation of man where did man come from oh he was made out of the earth yes so jesus did what he took earth put it all together and he blew into it so if he's got the miracle power to make from mud from dust from dirt, if he 's got the miracle power to make a living man and to make that man sleep and to take out of his rib oh, a rib and, and, and substance and make a woman, and he put both together to procreate so that we can exist, if that God can do that in this day, you will see the biggest miracle. I wouldn't say of all because for me being born again is the biggest miracle of all but that your eyes would perceive, is how all of these DNA particles of every single saint of God will come together, will come together, and they will form a body which belongs to you, and that, my dear friends, will be reunited with your soul so that you have a body. Not only that, that body will not decay into the place it came from because it will be a body similar to the body that Christ had when He was risen from the grave. Praise the Lord. We are serving a living God. Just the thought of that. So He sees those... Will go first. Then we who are alive remain shall be caught. He says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. With him he brings those who sleep. And then in verse seventeen, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in them in the clouds. There's the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and that's how we shall always be with the Lord. We shall be with the Lord, always be with Him. So again, I love to repeat myself, but I want this to sink in. I'm not going to preach any further than the two things I'm going to bring to you. But you need to understand this, that when He comes down, there's a specific sequence that happens. There's specific things that happens that He's described to us the bodies coming together, we will then be called unto Him. Let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and we learn more about what he's writing now to Corinthians, what he wrote to Thessalonica. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse 51, he writes to them this, he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. Oh, it is a mystery, isn't it? What is the mystery, Paul? He says, we shall not all sleep. So in other words, we shall not all die. But we shall all be changed. We shall all be changed. It's fantastic to to understand this. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, he talks about the same event at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible. Says the same thing. You see, this is what I mean. He didn't change his mind. When those other preachers came in and preached to the churches, and they came in and said, Oh, come on, Paul. No, 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 no. You misunderstand all of these things, Paul. No, no. This is how it's going to happen. The second coming. No, no. He stood fast on what Jesus Christ himself taught him. This is how it's going to be, Paul. This is what Jesus taught him in the desert of Arabia. He says, "And the trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorrupt, and we shall be changed." In other words, the dead will first be raised, the the first resurrection, and we will be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. That's the rapture. That is the rapture that we need to look forward to. And and then he goes on to say, and he said to them in verse 18, Therefore comfort one another with these words. This is a comfort. And next week, as I'm going to talk about the timing, you will see how the comfort comes to the fourth. So let me hurry on and now talk about the second coming. Coming. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. It says, Now I saw a heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and righteousness he judges and makes war. This to me, if I read it on face value, is totally different than what I just read was going to happen when he comes to receive his, his children. When I read when Paul wrote twice, you know, when he, I didn't hear about a white horse with him coming on the clouds and bringing the souls, and the, I didn't read anything about that. Here he d- appears different than when he came for his church. I mean, is it just omission then? Did, did Paul then? did Jesus then just not tell Paul? And say, hey Paul, when I'm going to come to receive the church to myself, I'm going to come on a white horse. Is it just omission or just he didn't tell him? Or is it an insignificant fact? If it is an insignificant fact, why does it all of a sudden become a significant fact to mention the horse here in Revelation 19? No, no, it's two different occasions. He says here He comes on a white horse and He who sat on Him was called Faithful and True and Righteous and Judges and Makes War. He comes in Revelation 19 for a specific reason to make war and to judge. When He came in the rapture, He came for a specific reason to receive the children to Himself to reunite the souls with their bodies. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name was called the Word of God. Now, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. How was he clothed? In a robe dipped in blood. This is not the description that I find him when he came, but let me continue. I'm going to come back to this. And his name was called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. The armies in heaven. I wonder who they are. Clothed in fine linen. Who's going to receive fine linen? It is us. And they were going to have horses. Who white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. That with it he strikes the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He he himself threads the winepress of fierceness of wrath of the Almighty God. And he has his rope and on uh, on the thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So let's dissect this. He comes to make war in the second coming. He's got a rope on him which is dipped in blood. And by the way, by the way, the battle of Armageddon is not there for you and for me to fight. We're not coming with him to fight in the battle of Armageddon. Though we are the armies that he stalked there, but we were clothed in white linen. It's not as if he's going to lose people fighting in this war it's a war that that you will not be able to imagine because he himself is going to fight that that is why his robe is filled and dipped in blood we are just going to be spectators out of his mouth goes a sharp to his sword now i have looked into that that's the rom fire sword a rom fire sword is a battle sword it is, it's like a big, large saber. It's, it's, it's like those horsemen with those blood sabers. It's the kind of sword that you take into battle. And again, I want now to remind you, when he's coming for his church with the rapture, this is not the description of him when he comes down. I read nowhere that Paul says he's going to come down with a sword out of his mouth with the wrong fire sword. No, no. The other time when I read about a sword which is applicable to us is written in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, which says that the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. And by the way, the Greek word there for sword is the Machaira sword, which is a smaller sword which can cut more directly. He applies that sword to our lives to clean us from our unrighteousness. But when he comes with the fire sword, my brother and sister, you do not want to be on the other end of that sword he comes to war he says and he himself will go out and he would strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron, he himself treat the winepress of the fierceness, that is the battle of Armageddon and listen to this now When he came to receive us to himself in the rapture, he came on the clouds, meet him in the air halfway, and we go back. This year, he sets his feet on the Mount of Olives to fight in this, or not even fight in this, but he is the battle that's going to take place there. What is the description that we received from the Christ that we're going to see in the rapture? There is a description. And I want to read it to you now. And I want you to compare the two descriptions and you will specifically see that you can't be in one instance, in one place, you know, this description and that description, the same thing. No. You see, John gives us a description of Christ in Revelation 1 verse 13. And in the midst of the seven lambs, one like the Son of Man, One like the Son of Man. That's the one who's coming in the rapture. One like the Son of Man. Why? The Son of Man is God with us, who reaches from us out to heaven. He took his blood into the holiest of all to make atonement for us. (laughs) Clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. This is, there is no blood. When 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 John sees him there in Revelation chapter one, he sees no blood-dipped, uh, uh, you know, rope of his. No, no, he sees clothed in a garment down to the feet, girt to the. His head were like white like wool, his eyes uh, and white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass refined in a furnace. His voice is the sound of many waters. He had his in, in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth winked a sharp edged sword and his countenance was like the sun shining in strength. That is the first description. Apart from what Peter and John saw on the Mount of Transfiguration of the Christ in heaven. And I believe that when he comes in the rapture and meet us halfway, that's how he's going to look. We're going to see him like that. I do not believe that when he comes with the souls and reunite their bodies and come for us to snatch us away, that he's coming with a a blood-dipped rope. He's coming to receive us unto Himself, to be with Him. For we've got a specific purpose to go and do. The judgment seat of Christ, the beamer seed, and the marriage supper of the Lamb. In Zechariah chapter 14 verse 1, we read the same about this. He says, they Behold, the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. And your spoil will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nasals, to battle against Jerusalem. I know there are those who say that, you know, it it happened with the the Roman army in the 70s and they came and they stood up against and utterly destroyed the temple. They burned it because, you know, when it burned, some of the gold went into, you know, in between uh, the building blocks and they had to pull it all apart to get the gold and they utterly destroyed the whole temple. This is not talking about that. He says, For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. That was the Romans back then. But now comes the day that all the nations will come. And and I don't know where you're living in. I don't know where you're sleeping still. But if if you can just see what's going on. Coronavirus has just put a little bit of a break on it. But it's going to become the vehicle to bring these nations still together. You watch my words. But Russia, China, China, (laughs) China, uh, uh, um, Afghanistan, uh, um, you name them, they're all going to come against this little place called Jerusalem. It's prophesied, it's happening, it's coming into play. Do not let, if there's no news coming, do not that put you in false a sense of false security is thinking that everything is okay and everybody is just battling the virus. It's not. I, I think the fall of Afghanistan is a good proof of that. There is still war raging on while you are sitting in your lockdown. And while your officials is trying to manipulate you with a false sense of fear, there is still world powers moving in on this nation, on Jerusalem. He says, I will gather all nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken. It's going to happen. Even with the military forces of whoever, the horses riddled and the women ravished, half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations. Who? Revelation 19, whose cloth was dipped in blood? Who was trembling or, or trampling the, 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 the winepress with fierceness? He says here, the Lord himself will go and battle. And let me just say, you're in big trouble, mate. You're in deep trouble. I know who wins that, that war, that battle. As he fights in the day of battle, and in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from the west. There is coming a big earthquake, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move towards the north, and half of it towards the south. I am endeavouring to preach more prophecy, and I want to get my teeth into this passage. He will fight that battle and his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, facing from the east. It's really interesting because you and I know that um, Islam has got some part of Jerusalem. They've got the dome there. But they've also planted a graveyard at the Eastern Gate. You can go and Google it. Look it for yourself. There's a graveyard there. They stole one of the doors there on the outer city. But there cometh a day, because they don't realize that, you know, He has got power over death to stop this. They know the prophecies to try to stop that. But He will come and He will walk through those gates and those gates will swing open. So I absolutely do not believe, I do not believe that it's the same event. I believe the rapture is event on itself. It is not the second coming. And as I say again, I'm not trying to push it on and to say that the second coming is now the third. I'm, I, don't, I don't want to confuse you. There is a first coming and it happened. And there is a second coming in Revelation 19. But right in the middle is an event that's going to happen called the Harpazzo if you don't like the word rapture. So let me just summarize and bring it all back together. So in... The rapture, Jesus comes in the air. In the second coming, he plants his feet on the earth. In the rapture, Jesus returns in secret. You know, he says he's going to come like a thief in the night. So what does he mean by that? Does it mean that, you know, not all's going to hear him? I don't believe so, because that trumpet will happen. It happened in, in John chapter 12, where the voice spoke to the disciples, but some thought it was thunder. But it wasn't thunder, it was the word of God. I believe that's going to be the same thing that happened in that time. We will definitely understand the the trumpet. He says, "My, my sheep knows my voice. When he's going to call and you're one of his sheep, you will know that voice and you will be taken. But when he says he comes like a thief, it means that we will not know when he's coming. We will not know. He can come tonight. He can come tomorrow. It could be a week away. It could be a year away. And this this makes it a different event again from the second coming, because if you think about the the second coming, he's he returns openly, and everybody knows what's going to happen. Because if you follow through the seven years, if you follow through every sequence, that if if the if the uh, the antichrist appear then all you need to know is count three and a half years from now and you know Jesus is going to come again. That's not like a thief. So he's coming openly in the second coming. In the rapture, he returns for his church. In the second coming, he comes as a king. He says the king of kings and lord of lords. He comes as a king, to, as the king, the warrior king, to battle against these nations. And... You know, He comes for His church in the rapture. He comes with His church in the second coming. Um, He comes with grace when He comes in the rapture. And then when He comes uh, in the second coming, He comes with wrath because His wrath will be poured out upon the earth from when the church, the restrainer, leaves. And we will hear about that next week again. That's only a few things and I think I've taken up a lot of time. And my prayer is that you're not confused. If you're confused a bit, listen again to this message. Listen it a second time and a third and a fourth time. But more than that, go to the scriptures that I've given you and open up for yourself. Read them. Contemplate them read them in the whole chapter read them in context if you've got a reference bible reference out of this what i've given you do not take my word for it be a berean study it for yourself but do not be next week i'm going to talk about the timing of the rapture and why i believe that His coming is imminent it could happen any day so brothers and sisters with those words i want to comfort you today I want to comfort you in Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. And Father, thank you. There's so much more to say, Lord, I know. But Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will go with. Open up the scriptures to your hearts and minds. Uh, Let your Holy Spirit, who's your teacher, direct your paths and your minds and your thoughts. I pray this in Jesus' name.